Hi, I'm Bill Crystal, editor-at-large of the Weekly Standard. My New Year's resolution is to make this substandard the last substandard. The power that we are dealing with here is immeasurable. If the Empire has this kind of power, what chance do we have? We have hope. Rebellions are built on hope. Hello and welcome back to The Substandard. I'm Victor Mattis along with Jonathan V. Last and Sonny Bunch. Well, it is out. Rogue One, a Star Wars story blasted into theaters this past weekend and grossed a whopping $155 million domestic. And I know we already discussed Rogue One in a previous episode, uh, but now that we've all seen it, we're going to talk about uh, the movie itself uh, with a massive spoiler alert. Yeah, there's going to be some spoilers uh, later on in the show. You can listen for now. We're going we're gonna to talk about other stuff. That's right. That's right. And uh, I'd like to remind you all uh, that the substandard is available on iTunes. Just look under podcasts and search for substandard. You'll easily find us. Please subscribe. Tell your friends. Leave a review. That said, um, I would like to point out that we recently received our first two-star review. What? I don't. I have. Sus- Who was I it? I don't know. My suspicion is Matt Continetti. That's what. Uh, I'm well, he's very jealous. He's very jealous. <laughs> uh, you know what? Movie. If you don't like us, don't leave a review. Anyway, um, how are you? It was uh, after the Gilmore Girls episode, wasn't right? it? <laughs> he was upset that you gave it away in the opening with yeah, the, uh, the audio drop. Tough but fair. Yeah, that's right. That's right, uh, gentlemen. Uh, how are we doing this week? Jonathan, how are you doing? I'm still recovering from Rogue One, but we're not going to talk about that yet. I don't want to spoil things for people. Uh, I don't want to. So I don't want to say anything to prejudge. Um, I'm fine. I'm fine. How are you guys? Are you ready for Christmas? Is everyone ready? Never. We're doing it again this year. It's on the 25th this year. Christmas is the worst. I, I hate am Christmas. not ready yet. I'm not ready yet. I haven't gift wrapped a, a single gift. And I'm, I believe in, in that family, I'm responsible for wrapping one gift. I'm still yeah. receiving gifts. I still have, Amazon is bringing like a million packages to my office. And the, the girl at our front desk, Kelly, is just, she is not. Every time she comes into my office, she starts sneering a little bit more. Because she knows what it, she knows what, uh, what's going on there, that this isn't work. This is all your gifts that you're giving away to people? Is that what that is? Yeah. Mm-hmm. There I don't was... get stuff sent to my house. That's when the, that's where the homeless people come around and they the, steal it. True story. Steal your stuff. True story. A friend of mine used to work for a lobbying firm, and I'm not going to reveal which kind of a firm it was. It was a big one. And he said uh, he no longer works there. Uh, the woman who is working at the front desk uh, she was constantly receiving packages, and they never understood why, because it always went to her. And it turned out that she was running her own sort of mini boutique out of the front desk, and it was a boutique for uh, sex toys. She was like manufacturing yeah, the, things were, sex toys. Things were like coming Mary Kay of yes, sex toys yes. out and of it was the lobby. Out of this lobby. That's kind of awesome. A big one, a big one. Okay. Um, as that's, I, a, that's a Showtime original series. Yes, it would be good. Um, as I as I mentioned, uh, we've all finally seen Rogue One, but before we uh, saw it, now when I went with my son Michael to the uh, the beautiful Boston Regal Theater in Ugh. Arlington, wow, Virginia. that's still there. I thought they tore that down. Plenty of comfortable seats now. So that they is the redid third that. worst theater in Northern Virginia. You have to go back. They've redone it and they're redoing the whole mall. So Wait, what, are, what are the two worst? I, I 
That you're just you just pick that. You just pick third. It's. I mean, I think it's, it's probably not, the worst. I have not made. A I think it's objectively the worst. Ranking. Well, this was. It's been the good news is it's been renovated, so you can do the advanced seating. So there's no longer although, waiting in line. Although generally, I'm very pro Regal Theater. I think yes, Regal exactly theaters what I'm are saying, some Jonathan. of the finest theater chains in America. The fact that the substandard is ultimately owned by the same company that owns Regal Theater has nothing to do with these. I didn't know that. No surprise, surprise. Wow. Wait, now, really? Uh, Yes. Uh, okay. So as we were saying, how great the theater experience was. You know what sucks? AMC. Ugh. Oh, boo. Boo to AMC. The worst. You know what I hate about AMC? That they let you put your own butter on your popcorn so that you can get exactly as much buttery product on your popcorn Jonathan, you, you should like. know better. That ain't no That's butter. That's the worst. That's <laughs> an urban legend until it's not. Um, uh, the oh, uh, we, we were inundated by, I think we went. Inundated. Inundated. We went to the. Uh, 10 a.m. show, but I think it didn't start till 10:15. And I think there were at least uh, 15 minutes of trailers, at least, uh, maybe 20 minutes. That's the best part of going to the theater. You know, I, I guess, but most I had 20. I actually clocked it. We had 24 minutes of yeah, my screening. Maybe that's what it was. And they, for us, they were mostly uh, superhero, almost all superhero movies. So Spider-Man, did you Wonder get, Woman. Like, did you get Power Rangers? Yeah, Sabins, Jonathan Sabins, Sabins, Sabins Power Rangers. Rangers. So it's better because it's Saban's Power Rangers now. I would say the audience reaction at my screening for the reveal that that was not a remake of The Breakfast Club <laughs> or a horror movie, but in fact was Mighty Morphin Power Rangers, was tremendous. And People tremendous went crazy stuff. for it. Like excited or booed? No, no, like excited and laughed and sort of like they were totally in on the joke. Oh, it I, made I, me believe I, that if the movie uh, is any good, there could be an audience for it. I would say the only two. Uh, yeah. yeah. Well, <laughs> you'd have obvious. to get there. The only two trailers that I liked uh, were Guardians of the Galaxies Volume Two, which is yeah. fantastic. No, I thought it was great, yeah. and uh, and Logan, uh, of course, the Wolverine. Is this uh, the same Logan trailer? trailer? I yes. Did not, I did not. It's get that with trailer. the famous uh, the the Hurt uh, the song Johnny Cash's cover of the Nine Inch Nails Trent Reznor song Hurt. It's Perfect. an amazing trailer. It is a great. We'll put, we'll, yeah, we should trailer. link to that in the show notes. People should see it if they haven't. Yes, did, I'm pretty sure we already linked to this in previous show notes. Didn't we talk about this before? Maybe. Didn't we talk about this in the... But we're already I repeating think that ourselves. Was, I think that was over email. And, you and you know, I and, yeah, that's and Cash, does, Cash does a bunch of covers from that particular album. He also did uh, Depeche Mode's Personal Jesus. And that's a great version, too. Uh, but we did not get uh, a trailer, which uh, Jonathan and I had seen, I think, on YouTube, which was for... Dunkirk the and Sunny, you got more than a trailer. So I saw uh, Rogue One at the Air and Space Museum on the Mall in Washington D.C. It's the nicest IMAX theater that exists. It's giant screen. It's like real IMAX, not the fake so good multiplex IMAX. Um, you know the one the 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 nice thing about it. Uh, uh, is that it? It is huge and enormous, and the sound is perfect. And the projection—it's got like a whole new projection system. It's great. Um, I assume these are all your tax dollars going to work, or maybe not. I don't know. How does I don't know how the funding of the Smithsonian's work. Uh, but anyway, it's it's fantastic, uh, and I highly recommend it. In part because you get the five-minute prologue of Dunkirk, the new Christopher Nolan movie, in front of the screening of Star Wars Rogue One. So kind of like they show the five first five right. minutes of Dark right. Knight Rises so, with yeah, the Bane and the, the airplane. Bane, the Bane airplane sequence you're kidding so not just uh five minutes from the just the five the first well, five I, minutes? I don't I, it's you know. I, it's unclear whether or not this is literally the first five minutes of of the movie uh i don't know if it's i don't know if it's that or if it's 
uh, like five minutes from slightly later on. It starts in media res. You're 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 right there, and like so, it, it basically to describe it for those of you who uh, haven't had a chance to see it, which is most of you because you're losers. Uh, the the uh, what happens is it it kind of weaves together three different plot lines from from the movie. You've got uh, these two guys carrying a stretcher down a pier to get it to a ship before it's headed back to England. Uh, you have Mark Rylance, uh, who was uh, who won an Oscar for Bridge of Spies, uh, and is he's playing like a British uh, captain of a just a regular vessel who is conscripted to to help ferry guys back and forth, uh, and then the big subplot, so to speak, the big thread that is woven throughout is Tom Hardy as a fighter pilot uh taking on some germans and it's shot in like the 65 millimeter 70 millimeter mm. imax film it's you know it's yeah. big it's big it takes up the whole screen and it's like you're in the airplane with him and it like there's even a little bit of judder like when the the engines are going it's real oh my god did the audience know what they're getting into or did it just happens it just appeared did they say you're about to see or well, no i mean it just out? it just like they uh you know how they have the 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 little they have a uh, symbol on the screen that has the 3D glasses with like a, a cross through it, like oh. so you know not to. It's like the universal symbol right. to not wear your your 3D glasses yet. So this this part is not in 3D because Christopher Nolan is an adult who makes films for adults and he doesn't make things in 3D. Um, and uh, and then it just it just starts. You get the the WB logo with like the kind of Dunkirk watery mm -hmm. you know mm -hmm. motif. Um, and the the footage just starts. It's like guys running on the beach. It's pretty. It's you're right up in it. You know what I'd I'd like to see is a uh, 3D IMAX of Boogie Nights. I think that would be great. <laughs> Sorry. All right, especially the end. How you do you, my how favorite do you, wait, that 3D? Just, wow. How, how how is it that we always come back to uh, Vic Mattis putting in random semi pornographic references to Boogie Nights? Uh, it's not intentional. I'm just in the, you know. It's in my brain and it comes out of my mouth. That's what happened. That's what she said. Lowbrow okay. humor. Yeah. Yes. Uh, okay. So you know, so my favorite my favorite moment in that trailer yeah. is in the the trailer, not the five minute preview. You got was the I don't know. It's like five frames that Nolan gives you of Tom Hardy taking the mask. Off, yes. As opposed to, it's the, such a little fanboy. No, no one cared who. Uh, Tom nobody Hardy cared was. Tom Hardy, who Tom Hardy was until he took the mask off. Yeah. It's fantastic. <laughs> Can I ask you guys? Could I get a definitive Sagarin ranking of Christopher Nolan trailers? Oof. I don't know if I'm going to leave I mean, this would, all to Sunny. Yeah, yeah, I wouldn't do like a definitive like uh, one top through three? twenty-five ranking, but I will do a top three. Uh, number three is the the first trailer for the Dark Knight. Which was all sorts of hot, uh, just with the the it, it it. I remember being I was I was something of a Nolan skeptic until I saw Batman Begins, but I didn't see Batman Begins until uh, like maybe I don't know six months before uh, the Dark Knight Rises. I I had just I'd kind of skipped it. It had come out in a weird time where I wasn't going to a lot of movies, and I just skipped it. And I watched it, and I was totally blown away. Like I was like, this is basically perfect this is the perfect batman um so the kind of like hints at the heath ledger joker and everything it just it, it was it was nuts um the second would be uh the the inception teaser trailer which is was where the noise yeah. debuted that was actually not in the movie score until until it was in the trailer and it was such a huge kind of uh it became a meme of yes sorts. Are, you, are you saying that repeating 
heavy droning noise yeah. that all trailers now yeah. do for the it was reach it was up. in the teaser yeah. and it was not in the score. Mm-hmm. It was like mm-hmm. the guy who like scored the teaser trailer yeah. put it in there yeah. and it was so popular that they had to add it to the movie. Rogue One, in fact, did the same thing for their trailer. I think the part there's the first trailer, yeah. the first teaser, the same yeah, thing. You get, you, it's noise. in all sorts of yeah, all sorts of. And then, uh, my, but my all time favorite. Uh, Christopher Nolan trailer is the teaser trailer for Interstellar, the one that came out a year oh, before wow. the movie, and it was just Matthew McConaughey talking about how great America used to be oh, and yeah. how we were going to make it great again. And it was it like I remember the first time uh, I saw it, I may have may have it may have been a little bit like there was a high pollen count or something in my office, <laughs> uh, and I was just there were some there was like some some and the tears. fact that you thinking have a daughter about, now if you have a daughter about, and you're well, watching this is, it, I'm this sure is, it has yeah. no bearing it has no bearing that is that's that's like a second that was after actually seeing the movie but uh, the the uh, that that teaser trailer where you know. Uh, where where McConaughey is talking about how we you know we used to look up at the stars. Now oh, Matthew McConaughey yeah, he, he keeps getting older. He was here the, in the studio. He keeps getting older, but the girls stay the same age. That, the same <laughs> that, exactly. That, can I, that troll. Can I make an observation here? Please. It is interesting to me that the three Nolan trailers you mention here are ones which where he was hugely and purposefully opaque about yes. what his movies were about. Yes. I mean, we really had no idea what The Dark Knight was going to be about. We knew, oh, well, Heath Ledger is in it as the Joker. Nobody knew what right. that meant. Um, Interstellar was a black box. Yeah. I mean, nobody knew what Interstellar was about. And really the same for Inception, right? I mean, people knew, oh, well, somehow you, they get into people's dreams and there's a heist right. or something. I don't even know that if was... we knew that. I mean, I, I, the, only thing, the only thing I remember really was the folding city imagery. Yeah, it was like right. the imagery of the city folding right. up on and itself. Then, and Joseph Gordon-Levitt. Yeah, like, the you quarter, know, the long quarter, and they're flipping. Yeah. yeah. Uh, it is interesting that Dunkirk is a, the first Nolan film since The Prestige, I guess, where people know, if you want to know what's happening, you can, it's Dunkirk. Like, yeah. it's a historical event. It is interesting. And he, I, I just find it interesting that Nolan is tackling something. The guy who loves holding things back from the audience has chosen right. a story in which everybody, it's so famous that everybody knows the ending of it. Yeah. Most so wait, what are, your what are your favorite? What are your favorite? Don't tell me how it ends, but no, uh, I'll go ahead, Jonathan. You're, you're, you're uh, Dark, Dark Knight Rises actually was my favorite of the Nolan the Nolan teaser trailers. I don't need to to go beyond that. I think. And and the um, uh, Dunkirk is also his first uh, real historical uh, uh, movie, isn't it? Um, yeah. First, well, yeah. Right, I mean, the prestige. Story. The prestige was a was picture. It was, was a, it like a period picture. picture period picture. Was, yeah. but, but it was of an actual not. historical yeah. event. And as you just mentioned, Jonathan, it's interesting because the trick of getting an audience to come to the theater, even though they know it, how it ends, even though they know that it's a bad ending as well. That's the other trick of it. You know, well, this is. I am actually very curious to see how they like manage the tone of this you because think about, it's, a, it's a movie about. It's a movie. I mean, I, I, somebody, maybe my friend Victor Morton, somebody, you know, uh, on Twitter was talking about. You know, uh, like as Churchill said, you know, you know, you don't win wars by running away, or you yeah. don't win wars on evacuations, yeah. or something. You know, it's like, it's it's a very kind of weird historical right. moment. It's was a, a move. It's a movie about. The Allies getting pushed off the continent for the first time ever, you know. And uh, but I mean, you think about movies that have done this in the past, The Alamo, A Bridge Too Far, which was about Operation Market Garden, and uh, um, Flight ninety three is another example. Or even movies that aren't about you know war, terrorism, like Titanic, the perf- Titanic, yeah. The Perfect Storm, about the Andrea yeah. Gale. You know uh, how it's going to end, and the, it, it takes a great filmmaker to you know. Make you want to come and come back again, and I well, obviously, no one could pull that off. Sunny hope is a weapon. 
Th- that's right. And uh, what is the other Rebellions line? Rebellions are based on hope. <laughs> Rebellions right. are based on hope because hope is a weapon. And survival is a victory <laughs> is the other line. But, you know, but the interesting thing is, and I was looking into this over the weekend, um, uh, so Dunkirk could have actually been a lot worse, believe it or not. Um, you had... Not that anyone could see Which has always made motions. you sad. Which is, right, Vic? I'm not commenting on my yeah, feelings the, right now. I'm uh, just talking the, about the strictly German, tactically. The German file in the in the room is really thinking about what could have been right now. Tactical brilliance has no ideology. If I'm just going to tell you right see his now. Face. No, I'm not putting my hand in the suit. Vic Mattis on the tragedy of Dunkirk. <laughs> <laughs> they could have done so much more. So, in fact, you had, you know, you had, there were two army groups that were encircling the British Expeditionary Force. A little quick history here. Uh, and so, Army Group A had come from the south and moved, pushed its way up towards Belgium and the Netherlands. And Army Group B, this is the Wehrmacht, uh, they were coming down from Holland, Belgium, and they were going to close them in. So uh, uh, the Army Group A, which is in the south, with, which was um, the famous Panzer commander Heinz Guderian, was uh, leading that with uh, Field Marshal Rundstedt. Uh, they, they were told... Uh, by Hitler to stop. Mm. Much like in Return of the Jedi when the Star Destroyers say, oh, you know, just, they say, what do they say? Oh, we don't, we only need to t- uh, stop them from escaping. The Emperor has something, a surprise planned. And uh, the Fuhrer's surprise was he wanted to award it to um, Army Group uh, B uh, in the north, uh, Fader von Box, Army of Infantry. He said, well, they'll well, take them, surround yeah. them, and pound them with Luftwaffe because they were thinking, well, what are they going to do anyway? But they're not going to cross the English Channel. Yeah. Well, uh, there's that, that great shot in the trailer of the flyers being dropped on the, the troops love who are that in town. Scene. I and, love you know, that it's scene. It's like, we are here, you yeah. are here. We're, you know, it's, it's, so, that's, it's such an amazing scene because we're so used to the other way around. We're, all the, we're always the ones that you see in movies dropping flyers warning mm. you, you know, to leave or surrender. And uh, there was, as Kenneth Bronick mentioned, in the trailer, there was four hundred thousand men on the beach. So I, uh, the, so it was supposedly like eleven thousand uh, died uh, at Dunkirk. But they said like something like seventy five percent of of the of the entire British expeditionary force was able to make it across because they were. Uh, again, this is the movie is is the the heroism of all these boats. I mean, we're not talking about just transports, yeah. but even luxury yachts and right. sailboats, anything that anyone can get and load them up and bring them back. And and I think that's probably going to be the bulk of that. Um, and the other is that what you think is, the bulk of the movie the will be about? It, You're really guess. going out on a limb here. I am. And uh, the other thing is uh, there was a story in the New York Times from. Uh, and this was from 1940, and they called it, quote, one of the bravest chapters in Great Britain's annals. So even then, they had that sort of uh, uplifting take, or they had to be at least, not saying that this is over and they got pushed off the continent. Um, so anyway, I think that's going to be exciting. And the other question is, is there going to be, in the words of John Podhoritz when he was reviewing Pearl Harbor, a money shot? Uh, and that is, remember in Pearl Harbor, it's the bomb that goes into the Arizona. Remember that camera? Yeah. That follow well. Follows it isn't the, actually a camera, <laughs> Vic. It's all CGI. And so the answer is there will what? be no money shot because oh, no Christopher CGI. Nolan oh, is going to use no practical CGI. effects. Right. He has actual historical airplanes that he's used so to shoot. Yeah, the, money, the money shot is him using uh, yeah, IMAX cameras to be a, shoot dogfights. Yes, and he's going to actually have a, this is this actually happened at Dunkirk. A bomb, a German bomb, actually went into the smokestack of a uh, of a of a British destroyer, and it didn't touch the side, so it went all the way to the bottom and blew the whole thing up. And I wonder about that and if he's going to have that in the uh, movie. Knowing him, I bet he'll do it. You seem real excited for the Germans to blow up this some is, bricks. No. Just, <laughs> I mean, it's really it's kind of story, distressing here. Sonny, again, no offense, Vic. Remember, I, know, I know that you have your... your... Hope. It's a story of hope. Hope is a weapon. 
And here's my great segue. I know you're sad we're not eating wiener schnitzel for, for I had Thanksgiving some, I had every, some, every... I had some last week mm. at Thirsty Birdies in Arlington. Uh, speaking of hope as a weapon... We could now talk about Rogue One. That's a good transition. Thank you. Uh, and, we should, and, and, spoilers. Again, if you are listening alert. in your car, if you've already downloaded this and you haven't watched the movie yet, just uh, turn it save off. This. Don't listen to any of this. Don't listen. Stop. Yeah. Go first off, put it on pause. Why are you listening to us in the first place? That's a bad choice. Yes. You're, you're, you've already made poor why are, life decisions. Why are you but, listening to us and giving us two stars? That's yeah, what I want. Uh, but the the uh, you got to let that go, man. People aren't people don't like us. That's fine. It's all right. You got to embrace the hatred. Uh, but yeah, if you have any plans on seeing the movie, you don't want to be spoiled. Uh, hit stop. Okay, good. And then come back and then enjoy. Uh, he already told them to hit stop. They didn't hear that. Thank yeah, you. Hit <laughs> stop. Over. Okay. All right. Welcome back to the substandard, uh, Jonathan. <laughs> Why don't you just go? Also, why are you unbuttoning your pants? <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. Uh, it's great. This is the first time since I was 11 years old that I have loved a Star Wars movie unequivocally. Um, I mean, it's weird. So I'm a Star Wars fanboy, but I only actually like two of the movies. Like I mean, the, the original Star Wars and Empire Strikes Back, to me, are great oh. films that I yeah. really like. And everything else from Return of the Jedi through all three I thought you prequels. loved Attack of the Clones. Are you kidding? Atta- Attack of the Clones is the wor- one of the worst science fiction movies ever non-ironically committed to digital celluloid. And it's a... Uh, you weren't impressed by the special effects because it blended them so well. Just stop. Stop. So, and and I, I even thought that Force Awakens, Force Awakens left me very cold. And it, it left me cold at the time and really cold on second viewing. I would say the second viewing I made of Force Awakens, I realized exactly how compromised a, a film that is. And this thing is amazing. It's it's the first Star Wars movie that's a an adult movie. It's not for kids. I'm shocked. The first thing I did when I left the theater on Friday was text you, Vic, and tell you don't take your son to this. Yeah. And you did it anyway. But like my kid, I won't take him to it because he's too. My son because, thinks it's the best show. Of because all the here's Star the Wars. thing, they they spend uh, Gareth spends. 90 minutes introducing to this cast of characters and making you really like them and in a very organic way. It is not a put-on to like get you to like them. And then he kills all of them. And so what you think is going to be a heist movie turns out to be Saving Private Ryan. You know, that final sequence in Saving oh, Private Ryan where totally every true. and one at first, when the first one dies, you think, okay, well, someone had to die. You know, they've raised the stakes. And then as as these guys keep getting offed, you realized no, oh my God, none of them are going to make it out. And in retrospect, we should have known, because to me, that the, the movie's calling card is early on when you meet Caspian, who uh, is is a new character, and he, the first time... Cassi- Cassian? Cassian. 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 You're thinking of Cassian. Prince Caspian. Not, not Prince Caspian. Caspian. Cassian. 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 Cassian Andor. Cassian. Cassian. So when, Andor. when you meet Cassian, and the first time you see him, he is, inter- not interrogating, but he's talking with an informant who is giving him vital information. They are happened upon an by ally. Two- an ally, right? Yeah. Somebody on his side. They are happened upon by two stormtroopers. He kills the stormtroopers, and then his informant, who is very squirrely, Cassian says to him, don't worry, we can get out of here together. Everything's going to be fine. And as the guy turns around, 
he brutally murders him. So he shoots he can, him right in the back. Shoots yeah. him in the back yeah. so as to cover his own tracks and be able to get away. And that is when you realize you are in a whole new world for Star Wars, a world in which things right. are. Yeah. And none of this is bloody. None of this is. It's, you're not going to have. Is, you're not going to have Greedo shooting first in this movie. No, no. 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 And uh, anyway, so, so everything about it is great. It, to me, it is like the Dark Knight in that the good guys nominally win at the end, but it feels like a loss because everyone is compromised. Yeah. Everybody in the movie is compromised. The politics are interesting. I would say so. This is this is. We can talk about lots more, but I will hand yeah. it off to you so I don't monologue you. This well, is great. This is the key thing for me is that I, it sets up the actual kind of political and moral universe of uh, the Star Wars, you know, realm much much better than say the force awakens so remember the force awakens you at the beginning you have the crawl and it talks about how the resistance is fighting against the first order and if you stop and think about it for like 30 seconds it doesn't make any sense at all because you're like why why if the rebellion has won is there a resistance <laughs> what are they resisting like why isn't the why isn't the rebellion still going after this remnant of the empire what and they never explain it they never they apparently in the novelizations which don't count because reading is for losers uh you, you they explain you know like kind of how the whole thing is set up and like what it comes down to is princess leia is essentially uh uh you know nasan hasrallah or hasan hasan nasrallah he's like the he's like a you know a, a kind of a terrorist uh she's kind of a terrorist kind of you know waging her own her own war but like you don't understand any of this from the film itself and in rogue one they do a much much better job of setting up you have you have like kind of the feckless uh gutless rebel leadership uh headed by mon mothma and um and jimmy smith's uh, 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 uh bail. Ba bail organa uh and they are trying to kind of rally the rest of the rebellion to attack the empire and most of the people in the council are like ah, i don't want any part of that we got to get out of here we got to run we got to flee and then you have saw Gerrera, uh, on Jeddah, which is where kind of the second or the end of the first act the second act take takes place um which is it's a he's he basically is leading a band of extremist rebel terrorists like they have it's very much like something you would see in uh in afghanistan or iraq you know with uh, terrorists attacking a uh, empire convoy and blowing it up and civilians getting murdered everywhere and and tons blending of, into the population blend, blending into the population a, i believe there's an ied yeah i mean i mean it's i mean <laughs> no, it's, no yeah. uh, i believe it was uh, they also used jonathan thermal detonators if you heard the yeah. sound yeah. there was that ticking yeah. sound I said, wait yeah. where have i heard that before uh, and then and then on the empire side of things you have the power struggle between moff grand moff tarkin who we can discuss in a moment governor tarkin what, what governor tarkin whatever uh, the and uh, the the and director Orson Krennic, yeah. uh, who is played by Ben Mendelsohn, the great Ben Mendelsohn. Um, Do you know that Ben Mendelsohn felt in charge? He felt in charge Do in this movie. <laughs> Do you know how old Ben Mendelsohn is? I'll he's guess. not much older than us. He's not much older than you, Victor. You know, this is strike. He shocks me because he looks. Yeah. I would say he has an old face, an old soul, he, old eyes, maybe. Yeah, yeah. But he is not very old at all. He was. Uh, I think he's forty six. He, he was. Uh, he started. He was an Australian kid actor. Yeah. <laughs> he did kid and teen movies. And, okay. I don't yeah, care about this. Was, I don't care. Know, Let's, yeah. But anyway, he kind of looked like Tom Hulse when he was younger, who was <sighs> an Amadeus. We'll get to Ben and Ben oh, Mendelsohn in a minute. Go ahead. Go ahead. And you have you have this kind of uh, you have this power struggle in the Empire. Which is all kind of settled by the empire's, uh, the emperor's right hand man, Darth Vader, 
and the Darth Vader stuff in this movie is fantastic. We can come back to that. I don't know, but it was it like the the his scene in the middle is good. His scene at the end is uh, makes me want a whole series of just Darth Vader standalone <laughs> movies where he starts splitting yeah. people where he just, apart. So he just starts murdering everyone. Well, he's. You know, I'll let you jump to that, and then we can yeah. jump back because okay. everybody listening now has seen the movie anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, so that is the first time we have ever seen the force welded in a way which is terrifying and that's fantastic again yeah. like everything about this i love so when you so just thinking about this logistically how it is shot he is shot he's moving very quickly but he is not moving at the comic book speed that like yoda moves in in the third I, the, the, uh, the third one when right? he when he takes on christopher lee's character and, and he's jumping into sonic what? the hedgehog yoda. yes right Yo, yoda and when you see that it's ridiculous and people yeah. che- i remember being in the theater and people cheering, cheering. At that and i thought this is this is preposterous mm-hmm. Uh, because it is not real. Everything there's no weight to it. Yeah. And the instead, Vader is moving at what I think of like Jason Bourne speed, which is it 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 actually in a way feels slow. You know, mm-hmm. slow is smooth, smooth is fast in that way. And it is it is shot like a horror movie. You're in this yeah. claustrophobic space. It's dark. It's very dark. Yes, the lights go the out. Light, and when you panic, the, and when the lightsaber goes on, he's you know, and he's using the force. He's mm-hmm. using the lightsaber, and the door is wedged, and the guys are trying to get out. And when they realize mm-hmm. they can't get out, they hand the disc through, and then he just slices through the door like right. it's made of paper mache. Yeah. That it's, was like, it's, that but was it's like, fantastic. What about, Again, was, this is a scene for grown-ups. This is not a scene for little kids. I was going to say, think. that was uh, my son's favorite scene, actually. <laughs> he loves Darth Vader, <laughs> and he thought it was so exciting what he was just doing. Throwing the weapons. He has the weapons go flying out of their hands, you know? And what what I thought of was uh, there was a scene in Aliens, uh, the, uh, the uh, Cameron... Um, James yeah. Cameron ver- uh, directed one, uh, in which they're all through that. They're they're trying. They're, they're locked in this room. They're trying to weld the door shut because the aliens are getting closer. It had that sort of effect. And in Aliens, of course, they realized that they were on the ceiling and they were going to come down. But it's it's, it's the same thing, where um, uh, there's just this panic and we're trying to escape and and they're trying to open something that isn't opening. And it had that absolutely had that feel. And it was a sort of a precursor to. Uh, the the opening of A New Hope, of course, where the rebel uh, soldiers are poised. But, of course, instead of stormtroopers coming at it, it's just a plain old firefight. It's the light. You hear the voice. You hear right. the breathing. And that makes it sort of that horror feel. Yeah. And then the lightsaber. And then the look of terror on their faces because the, here he is and it's over. Well, you Speaking- realize they don't, these guys don't, from their perspective, don't have any idea what's coming at them. Right? I mean, they, Darth Vader, you get the sense at this point, is a subject of myth, maybe... your rank-and-file rebel cannon fodder guy would have maybe heard some rumors that there is a guy like this and then to be confronted with something that's essentially the unknown is again it it makes it all terrifying and amazing fantastic I was also interested in the perceived power struggle between Grand Moff Tarkin, Orson Krennic, and Darth Vader. Like, what's the relationship of... Uh, clearly, Tarkin has more power than Krennic, and then there's Vader and the Emperor, but it, it was... Uh, uh, well, Tarkin, Tarkin and Krennic are clearly in some sort of military command structure. Yes. You know, maybe they're on... Maybe we're talking about, you know, uh, a Marine commander versus an Air Force, you know, uh, general or something. I, you know, it would... I don't know exactly how you would, you would break that down, but... Uh, uh, Darth Vader obviously exists kind of outside of that whole superstructure and above it in I think very uh, in in very obvious and serious ways because he is he you know what is what is the role of Darth Vader it is to uh, it is to make it is to I- enforce the Emperor's will he's sort of the combination of church and state 
you know, because there's there's that religious aspect, and of course his political role, which he combines in a one knight, a knight templar. If yeah, you know. right. Yeah. But you get the sense Vader has no governing job. Like Vader is right. not interested no. and would not be used in for anything like governing or setting policy or keeping systems in line with fear or anything like that, or even in coming up with the idea for a, or the execution of a Death Star. Yeah. Right. He just he he's, just he just does what he's told. Right. By the it, Emperor. it was also fascinating with the first time we see him because you travel to the planet with the lava. Mustafar. Is it the same one where he? I would burned? assume it is. I, I, yeah, I believe seems, we should yeah. be assuming that this is. It's very. It's actually a very clever thing that they do in the movie, by the way, where they don't have the name of the planet, which is they have in front of all of the other planets. Yeah, when you go to no, it, there's no Mustafar. No title card, right? There's that, no. That, you, that's called the title card. When I, show you, uh, yeah, I guess. Yeah. Whatever. Whatever. Sure. Uh, but the but like you 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 are not given any sort of heads up of where you're going, even though of course if you are familiar with Revenge of the Sith, you know you you have an idea of where you are. Right. And interesting have, that he would put his temple there. Yes. <laughs> and of course you have those the the old guys who are working as the sort of high priests and the imperial guards. Well, the weren't way. you interested because you're, you're you're originally shown only from the back a hooded cloaked figure who is heading in towards what you would think you're going to see. Vader's chamber, and, and then the fact so you're wondering who is this guy with the cloak? Do we know him? And when he takes it off, only then do you realize, oh, we don't. We have no idea. And there is the quasi-religious aspect to all of this. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I was wondering, did you think that the uh, the the body of Vader in the in the water tank was that uh, Hayden Christensen? <laughs> Stop. Stop. Hasn't he suffered get, enough? He, he, he had to. to make two movies with George Lucas directing him. Yes. What did, the, what did, what did, uh, what did they say that uh, Lucas uh, described dialogue as ditch digging? Because ditch digging <laughs> is what great. they said it was. You know. Um, so what did you guys think then about the return of Peter Cushing as Grand Moff Tarkin? Terrible. I, uh, I, it did not work for me. Uh, again, I saw this on like the biggest, clearest screen possible. I saw it in 3D. It, that probably it just, doesn't work well. It just the it looked just off. It looked just slightly off, not quite like uh, uncanny valley revulsion style wrong, but but wrong enough that I was uh, I was kind of taken aback that they thought that this was an acceptable solution. I would have preferred uh, less as opposed to more. I, uh, I think the first time we see Cushing is from behind, and you see his face reflected in the uh, in the glass. And that totally worked for me. I thought, okay, that's him, and that's a pretty good likeness. And they have him turn a little bit, and that still would have been okay. But you have these sort of full frontals of his face and the eyes, and I think the brain obviously picks up on the fact that this is not <laughs> real. Even if you didn't know Peter Cushing was alive, there's something off about he him. I don't know. What did you think? He just it? doesn't move the right way and, and with the right. subtle motions. And this, His eyes are wrong. They move too quickly. His quick. eyes are wrong. And but, but the big thing is he simply doesn't have the weight on screen that Peter Cushing had. I mean, if you just if you go to YouTube and pull up two scenes of it, yeah. you'll see that Peter Cushing has an incredible presence on mm -hmm. screen, and this CGI phantasmagorum uh, of him does not. Right. And this leads me to my my really my only complaint about the movie is that there's too much fan service. Lots. The the entire conceit of having Grand Moff Tarkin in this position as opposed to just some other new character is pure fan service. There's no reason that it has to be Tarkin. You could have had Krennic and uh, Bad Guy Number Seven as his boss. I'm gonna have to. I'll disagree with this, but go and ahead you could have the two of them fighting with Peter Cushing's Grand Moff Tarkin over them. In which case, you get one shot of him where his face is reflecting the glass, and he sort of is settling there. But you really don't need that. Uh, the the final reveal of Princess Leia, I think, is a 
it's a terrible moment to end the movie on because a she looks creepy again in the way that peter crushing looks creepy and b her expression is wrong she is this like happy she says oh hope and this is she's just witnessed the eradication of half the rebel fleet she should be grim faced i mean think about the original star wars a new hope she is grim faced I don't think she cracks a smile until the very, very end of that movie. She should be basically at the Aryan Nation ceremony. At the Aryan yeah, Nation yeah, yeah. ceremony, that's the first time you see Carrie Fisher smile, smile as Princess Leia, and you ought to have dour glowering if you need to do that. But again, we as fans didn't need that much service. But here, I think if where, we had hold yeah, on, hold on, yeah. if we had gotten Princess Leia from behind in silhouette, so to speak. So to speak, I mean, her silhouette in that outfit is totally iconic. Fine. Everybody would know yeah. instantly who that mm-hmm. was. Right. We don't need you can show and not tell there. And this is like with Walrus Man on Jetta. You know, Walrus Man, and you'll it's be very dead guy. It's watch very where you're going. Watch. You want you just watch yourself. We don't need that. Yeah. You know, yeah. I, I think that they are they were a little bit too solicitous yeah. of super fans in ways. R two D two and C three PO. That's fine. Uh. That, that's fine. I didn't mind it, but I, what I disagree with you, Jonathan, is the, the CGI Princess Leia. I thought it was no different than her CGI'd uh, appearance in the Force Awakens. <laughs> Shots fired. Ouch. <laughs> What? Are you telling me she's alive? Uh, oh. National Organization for Women, that was Victory No Matter, <laughs> no, who said that. You can hit him up on that Twitter. That sort of shaming is really yeah. un- uh, uncalled I, for. I would say, my, my, I, I, I agree with you that there was too much fan service, um, <laughs> and I, I think that we are... Uh, uh, I, think, I think the movie is poorly served by it, because it kind of pulls you out of the moment, and it yes. makes it's like, okay, yes. this is a movie that I'm watching, and oh, those are other movies that I watched. I remember those. So I, I don't like that. I do think that I, I think that the Grand Moff Tarkin subplot works very well. I think that I think that you actually need that with the way that the chronology of the film is set up, like going straight into a new yeah, hope. Yeah, yeah. That you you need this kind of this power struggle where he's there and he's taking over the Death Star. And if he, you know, I, I, I'm okay with all that. Which leads me to my one substantive critique of critique of the movie. Go on. Which is that they make Tarkin into a little bitch. And I don't like that. Because I am Team Tarkin. Grand Moff Tarkin is one he of just, the most he just interesting. Threw, I just want to let the podcast listeners know that Jonathan last threw up a gang sign that I assume <laughs> <Maybe>. means Tarkin. <laughs> means Grand Moff, Grand Moff forever. Grand Moff, Grand Moffville. I don't... Uh, and so, how so? How so? So Tarkin of A New Hope is this quiet assassin, this total badass who is just, well, you know, he is tough as nails. And then here you see he's just another guy fighting with office politics like everyone else. You know, oh, there's somebody else who wants to take credit for a big idea. And so he's trying to fight to make sure that he gets the bonus and the title change and that this other guy. It's like it's Leave like me we, out of this. It's like we've moved him into an episode of The yeah, Office. And I, I did not. Uh, like, but I, but I, don't but I, debase Grand Moff Tarkin see, like again, that. I think this is wrong. You make him this, less heavy. I think this is I think this is I think this is a misreading of the film because I think it's very clear from the film that he is in charge and that uh, Ben Mendelsohn's Orson Credit is the little bitch who is worried about losing all his credit. I think I'm with Sonny on that. I, I, I think uh, what you also see is, you know, people can change once they have a consolidation of power. And so, I mean, obviously, now that he eliminated his closest rival, then you see I mean, a the, whole much more serious the, Tarkin. The best part of the movie, four. the best part of the movie is when Grand Moff Tarkin orders the Death Star strike on his own <laughs> people. Fantastic. And he's just like, you know, this is another... But he only does it because he knows Krennic is down right, there. Exactly. That's the other... It's, it's not it necessary. Is, it's, it's a power play, uh, but it's also, again, a reminder that 
Grand Moff Tarkin's about order and stability, and he's just trying to take out as many rebels as he can. If it means losing some of his own troops, so be it. You but, do, you know. You do get the impression that Krennic is the one who's a little bloodthirsty, right? Like, Krennic is sort of eager for the yes. destruction, and Tarkin is the one who just wants yeah. to have it as, yeah. as a strategic well, weapon. Well, exactly. And remember, right. there's the scene where they, they blow up uh, the city, the Single city on Jeddah. Single reactor. And he says, uh, we just need a demonstration, not a manifesto. Mm-hmm. And this is, again, he doesn't, he do, you don't need to blow up the whole planet. You just need to show that it works. Once you do that, yeah. then we can show what works on a on a uh, target of significance. I really enjoyed Ben Mendelsohn as uh, Orson Krennic in this movie. And there's that wonderful scene at the very end when he looks up at like the rising moon of the Death Star. You know, and the, the oh the sweet irony of noticing. Oh wait a minute, yeah. <laughs> you know, here is my creation. Yeah. And then of course the last thought is uh, Tarkin. You know, so uh, Ben Mendelsohn has now played opposite two of the heaviest bad guys in the last half century of film which is amazing in its own way the other yeah uh, the other being later, bane yeah. in the dark knight rises Did and as i watch this i thought myself i hope there's an outtake of his scene with vader where vader places the back of his hand <laughs> next to his, his cheek and says do you feel in charge director krennic <laughs> because that would be outtake gold yes, yes. The, um, uh, here's a one technical total geek out question, but if you made it this far into the substandard, there's no turning back. The ship that Princess Leia is on, I, this is an actual question, is that in, is that a Hammerhead Corvette? I hate saying that no. because you know what I'm talking about. I do. It's not the Hammerhead Corvette no. that rams mm-hmm. one Death Star and other. It's the other no. way because that would have been ev- that would add to the lies of the ship being a diplomatic. By the way, ship. can we can we just discuss that? Uh, uh, this is now the second movie where we've seen a Death Star get disabled and then crash into. Uh, yeah, a, an imperial. They seem like relatively easy ships to take out. All you have to do is, you know, you take out the you push them around and you push them <laughs> and go into something. I mean, like these these are not very terrifying. Uh, I don't know uh, why they, didn't, they they could have done that this earlier. Is, yeah, they could have done that in Empire Strikes Back when they were escaping from Hoth, or they right. could have done it in uh, Return just, of the Jedi. Just ram it. Uh, I don't know. We can't uh, ram it. That, that was very. Um, yeah. Okay. So before before we move, I mean, there yeah, there are, are a lot of things to talk about. I don't know how many hours we're, we're we're this will not be longer than three hours. This episode, right? We made a pact before this yes. that we'll cut yes, off yes, at three yes, hours. I want to talk about the X-wing uh, pilots too. Uh, so. so I again talking about how compromised everybody is. I was thinking through this through. So Saw Gerrera, who is the Forrest Whitaker's character, the extremist rebel uh, rebel. I wanted a whole movie about him. Absolutely. And I, I, I hope Best character get in the movie, a whole I movie thought. about him. Because again, so here's how compromise he is. He gets this defector bringing him critical information, and he tortures the guy anyway because he has to make sure whether or not it's genuine info. Yeah. Well, and he, that's has to, he has to make sure he's not uh, a, Are you a, saying, a spy from the Empire. Right. To, there so, to you have, so, so Saw himself is compromised. The rebellion, the, the namby-pamby, the real rebellion, they want to kill Saw and they want to kill Jin's father. And they're doing it surreptitiously and lying to Jin yeah. about it. They're compromised. And then you have the Empire, which is, again, still compromised. They're running around blowing up trunks of planets. Yeah, I mean, and again, Cassian Andor is tasked not... with all these kind of missions of killing And, and so this is the, uh, the other movie I want coming out of this. It is, we talked about this when we did our first Star Wars, is the idea that you could get to spinoffs that are based totally around characters who aren't in any of the original movies. And I want a movie with Cassian and K2SO. 
Mm-hmm. Because the two of them are, I think it could almost be like yeah, a we buddy cop. We haven't right? talked about K two S O at all. K two S O is fantastic. Clearly, not Alan, only the, Alan Tudyk. Yeah. Alan Tudyk, not only the best Star Wars droid ever, but to my mind, is in the running to challenge Tars as the best sci fi droid all time. Mm. Tars currently the number one, number one greatest. Tars, Tars from Interstellar. The right. The, the, the box. Well, I'm just reminding. I'm sorry. Does that, you think there's anyone listening to this podcast who, who doesn't, doesn't know, know who Tars is? Is there anyone listening to this podcast? <laughs> but would you would Suckers. you not watch a movie which is the two of them running around basically doing special missions? Because Cassian is a great character. He's he's totally unassuming. He does not. There's nothing charismatic about him. There's nothing special about him. But he's one of the like the way like real assassins are. You want to sense us like the jackal in real life. Just very average looking, can blend into a crowd, and are guys who have nothing left to lose. You know, hyper competent with nothing to lose. And he and K2SO running around having adventures, that is a movie I would like to go watch. I would like to see Cassian Andor and another guy and a girl go driving around Mexico, just sort of vacation <laughs> doing wild, crazy things. Go to a pool, oh, see what who happens. Who what happens? Well, Sonny's looking at us. That would be our E2 Mama Tambien reference. My, my problem with... I, I actually did not love Cassian in this movie. I did not think uh, what Diego Luna is, is mm-hmm. the actor. I, I he just didn't really do anything for me. He has kind of these dull, dead eyes, which yeah. I think are I think are which I think is part of the character, but also just he he was not he was not charismatic enough for me to carry his own movie. I don't think. Oh, see, I, I liked, would. Def- I, I mean, like that. For me, that was a. I mean, I would definitely feature not. A I liked them I mean, too. There, I would. I would watch a uh, a movie about the blind. Uh, the blind yes. Jedi Temple Guard. And oh, everybody his, loves those guys. The guy. The guy who I should definitely be Cable. Whenever they make a new yeah. mutants movie, that yeah. guy should. Def- that guy is Cable. That he, <laughs> that is who he should be. Yeah. Um, I or Bishop. Not, I'm sorry, not not Cable. Bishop. I'm thinking of Bishop. They were yeah. Those two guys are fantastic, aren't they? Fantastic. The guardians of the the, the Jedi Temple, right? And so yeah. this brings a whole again. This is the first time we've ever gotten a glimpse of the Jedi and the Force qua religion, not yes. just as a, and and it's great. It's yeah. complicated. Yeah. It's interesting. You already see from the moment of Revenge of the Sith to here, where that has the religion is being literally dismantled in front of them as the the yeah. temple is being strip mined for Kyber or is it dilithium crystals? Kyber, Christ- which Kyber dilithium yeah, crystals? Di- 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 no, trilithium. Trilithium. It was trilithium. It was, uh, and so that's happening, and you already have people within the temple guard falling away into unbelief, and so right. the schism between guys who still believe and don't believe, and as he's reciting his mantra whenever he's in trouble, which is like you know like a. It's like seeing a, a Roman Catholic sailor in a World War II movie saying the Hail Mary over right, and over right. again. Right, absolutely. Yeah, and I mean, that's a deeply affecting scene, yeah. isn't it? Mm-hmm. When he's yeah, it was just out like the press- bus driver saying the Hail Mary in Volcano before he melted <laughs> the Metro, the train oh, the driver, train the train driver. driver yeah, yes, great actor. Uh, I'd like to see a movie of that. You were talking about uh, Saw Gerrera uh, torturing the guy, and it was that Squid Alien. Yeah, I'd like to see a movie of the Squid Alien. I wonder what else it can do. They they have them in Japan. I'm pretty sure. <laughs> it's already. not just torture. <laughs> torture is subjective. That's a subjective term. Okay. No, but I. Yeah. And then, but anyway, yeah. so I thought that we were throwing away that guy uh, as he was being tortured, and we're not. No, they no, not, yeah, only, right. not only do they keep him, but they get us invested. It, no. It's just great He's character. He was great, and I again, I great it, it, storytelling. It, it was like the Dirty Dozen. It was like Sergeant Pri- uh, Saving Private Ryan in that scene where uh, Riz Ahmed's character he has to get the cable across, which is Tom Sizemore, right? Doesn't uh, he have to do that at the yeah, end of and, Saving and, Private well, and Ryan? Captain Miller does it for. I mean, uh, Tom uh, Hanks does it for him and gets killed in the process. And I, I just knew it. You know, in the trailer, you have a scene where 
Riza Ahmed is hiding behind some barrier and there's a shootout and there's a look on his face and I knew that I said I bet you this guy dies uh, you know a, a battle death because but he had that great look he just had a great look yeah, so so my buddy Ben Dominich uh, ran an essay a couple of years ago um, by a friend of ours who I and I believe this is was done anonymously and so I don't want to say who it was unless they want credit for it we'll put this in the show notes as well uh, called the Ballad of Porkins. <laughs> and writing about how Porkins is one of the more interesting stories from the original Star Wars. He was this fat slob who you could see was just basically hanging out, you know, painting his Warhammer miniatures. And then the Empire comes and he decides he's going to put away his his D&D stuff. Things. His childish things. And go do something. And he would never, he couldn't have been a pilot in the Empire, right? I mean, he's a, a slob. No they would never no have taken him. And he goes off to do something. They don't make Stormtrooper outfits that big. Right. And he goes off to do something heroic and die in the midst of this family opera saga, which is all about the Skywalkers and the royal people and the Jedi. And a guy like Porkins is out there sacrificing himself. And that's what this entire yeah. entire movie was about. It, this a, entire movie was the Ballad of Porkins was, writ large. Was Porkins in this movie? No, I don't believe so. We see the we get other guys, gold leader, other, right? Yes. Gold leaders, yeah. gold leader. Mm-hmm. Yep, on target. Uh, it is very interesting how they kind of have gone back and uh, you know, without getting super alt righty uh, here, they they kind of go back to the uh, the lame part of the rebellion, and they've really um, retconned in a lot of uh, alien and uh, non-white human characters because you know diversity is the most important thing right now. It's very, it's, this is, and this was, this was, of course, I think what uh, set off so many of the uh, Make America Great Again types about this movie is that it was, you know, um, but it is, it is, it is kind of, uh, it they is kind boycotted of, it too. They, didn't oh, they? Yeah, and it and really, it really, really hurt it. Really <laughs> hurt it. Really hurt but, no, but, but like, I, again, the, the, our, the problem with our whole political system is that you have idiots on both sides, right? So you have the, the awful alt right people, but then you have the uh, radical bites, the Jonathan McIntosh or whatever his name is on Twitter talking about how, you know, this is the, the scenes on Jeddah are really bad examples of Orientalism. And that this is, you know, all of the all of the extreme terrorists, uh, all of the extreme rebels are, are portrayed as terrorists, and they've got turbans on, and it's you know, just like, dude, this is like, you you have to accept the fact that things are getting better for your side here on terms of representation, and you know, like, oh, and if you don't, this is how you get Trump. And how how about on Jetta also? Before you forget it and lose, there are guys who are wearing what look like similar outfits to the Empire's Imperial Guard. Do you, do you know? Do you yes, I that? saw that. And again, it's, it's just a little echo hinting that again, there's some schism within the Force, right, right? between the people who worship yeah. the, the the good yeah. side, yeah. the light side, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and the dark. It's it, it's also it's, and as you mentioned in Jetta, it's very vague. You know who are the good guys? Who are the bad guys? When the firefight happens, you know people right. are shooting each other. Well, and nobody knows. Andor is shooting guys, not just Imperial guys. I mean, it's just chaos. So, uh, any other thoughts right now? Uh, I have a couple more before okay, we go. go for for, it. Okay, while we're talking about like identity politics, and I was fully, fully expecting this to have Jin Urso as Mary Sue Naples Ultra, and mm. she is not. No. Jin Urso oh, is a no. fantastic character. Jin Greater Sign Ray. Like to Absolutely. such a discount, oh, yeah, to such an extent that I would hope that the writers of episode eight are like embarrassed and decide to make Ray a more interesting character yeah. because Jin is fantastic. Totally. She she so this she is, and Andor, by the way, they they died a deep impact death, didn't they? They did. Well, the, but this leads me to the, the last thing I want to talk about, which is that friend of the show, uh, Matt Continetti. Hey, Matt. 
he expressed to me that he believes that it's pretty clear from reading the promotional materials and looking at the ads that actually Jin was supposed to survive and that part of the reshoots, Matt speculates, involved making the decision to kill Sheehan Cassian. If true, I think that is a stroke of genius because the movie that spares the two of them at the end and then like That's has right. them fall in love or something, yeah. that becomes just schmaltzy digital product. This actually has real impact and resonance. You get an entire self-contained story of this girl's life from the moment she is like six years old to her death. She never has any real happiness. She doesn't even know, you know why does she and Cassie not fall in love? Because she doesn't know how to fall in love because she's been on the run and like part of like rebel groups for, for 25 years or however long it is. And the fact that she then dies having done the first really noble thing in her life that she's ever done is fantastic. And so kudos to yeah. whoever at Disney had the, the sand to make the decision to kill her off. The only way it could have been better is if she had gotten off the planet with the tape uh, and gotten to the ship and they, they get it and then Darth Vader takes her out. Yes, Ooh, that would that would have been right. had Vader if, if Darth, wow. if Darth been... Vader had been the one to like, where's the tapes? And then uh, stabs her with the lightsaber. <laughs> right. That the, said, that I, I like I like giving Jin mm -hmm. the if, if she has to go, this is a way yeah. to give her an out, which yeah. is less horrifying. Do you, do you think, you know, she's told to trust the force. So, I mean, it's even known to her that as a child that the for, about the existence of the force as a, as a religion. And I wondered if she was related to Qui-Gon Jin, Jin Urso. Thank you. <sighs> I, I'm hoping while we're talking about bravery. I, I actually wonder if deep in the sale agreement from Lucasfilm to Disney, there isn't tucked away some sort of clause about when they're allowed to remake one through three. I was going to ask you the very same question. Because if, if they have to wait for Lucas to Die. shuffle off this mortal coil, coil. I, I, for George Lucas to ride off into the sunset, if they have to wait for Lucas to ride off into the sunset, and by the way, John, become a force ghost, Mister Mister Podoritz, I've never said anything nice about George Lucas. Um, <laughs> if they have to wait for, I wonder if they have the power then to remake those train wrecks of movies. Because if they did, you could remake those in ways which don't suck. Oh my gosh! If you, if you could do, I was thinking about this because we saw the trailer for Spider-Man again, the reboot of Spider-Man. We've had reboots of Superman, and I wondered about the possibilities of a reboot of one to three. But you don't need, I, like, I it, this doesn't, this well, none of this is makes any real sense. Why reboot when you can just expand the universe that in which they're playing forever? To I fix just their mistake. I, that's why. Well, yeah, but I, the, the what's done is done. What's okay. I don't think I, I I think once you get into like retconning what mm -hmm. actually happened in the movies, you're you're mm -hmm. treading into very dangerous territory. Doing doing it would would kill Lucas. Yeah. Right. I mean, to, to having bought the company from him to then say, hey, you these three movies, wrong. which are the yeah. only pure distillation of your artistic vision, yeah, we're just going to go ahead and remake those. <laughs> yeah. That would put him in the ground. That's right. Did you enjoy really quickly technical aspects of the movie, like the reference of the stormtroopers to the making of the T-15 obsolete? Did you get that part? I did. I actually didn't understand that. What was? What is the T-15? The T-15 is a ship. Uh, is is a spaceship. Luke Skywalker. Um, oh, he's the landspeeder. Okay, he, it's it. not the landspeeder. It's the ship that looks like an Imperial uh, shuttle. And he's playing around with Luke Skywalker's playing with it in Episode Four Jesus when Christ. he's hanging around in his uh, little abode in Tatooine. <laughs> and that's the T fifteen. That's what the stormtroopers talk about making that obsolete. Also, Tie Strikers. What happened to them? We don't see what happens. I, I like Tie Strikers. They're gone. Um, okay, now I'm ready. To, and the Adat. Great appearance of the Adat. Different kinds Fantastic of Adat. Great Adat. Oh, boy.
Okay. Are we, are we ready to move on? I'm going to go see it again tonight. So we're done talking about this for now. Wow. Okay. Well, we're getting to the part where I think we would like to Wait, talk. I'm sorry. No. Yes. I, take, I just want to lay this down once and for all. Rogue One, best Star Wars movie ever. Better than Empire. My son will agree with you wholeheartedly. There. Fight no, about it in the comments. That's wrong. I'll say Empire, Rogue One. Okay. Sonny? No. Wow. Okay. So, Sonny's going to say Return of the Jedi. Wrong. Yeah. <laughs> Phantom Menace. Okay. Now, as you know, we're not having an issue, uh, or an episode, I should say, uh, next week because of the Christmas and Hanukkah holidays happening. Happy holidays, everyone. Happy holidays. Happy holidays. So, Merry Christmas. <laughs> Bigot. Bigot. <laughs> Thank you. And so we would like to give our quick take on the year's best whatever. Jonathan, go for it. Don't make me go first. What do you think is the best movie, Jonathan? The best movie I saw of 2016, Hand to God, Rogue One. Yeah, okay. I'm not even kidding. That's, that's like, look, this is here's the thing. I saw this movie Friday morning, and I haven't stopped thinking about it since then. I have not felt that way about a Star Wars movie, and again, since like, it, right, like yeah, 30 no, years. I, I really was, right. I'm not surprised. Are you thinking uh, about it right now? Yes. Uh, best book. I, I read War and Peace this year, and wow. it's awesome. And anybody who has ever wanted to read it should do it. Like it's it's one of these things that is absolutely worth it. That will change who you are as a person. That is better than everybody says it is. Even it's awesome. And you said to pick a TV show, but yeah, I don't no, watch TV. To, yeah, Gilmore yeah. Girls. I don't watch TV. Did you Gilmore Girls? That doesn't count. Gilmore Girls blows. It's true. Sonny. He's not wrong. Deep uh, best movie I saw this year was Arrival, uh, which we've discussed on this show. Um, best book I read, best new book I read was uh, Norm MacDonald's uh, biography based on a true story, which is really more of like a kind of comic novel, like comic tragic novel than a uh, celebrity memoir. Uh, best old book I read was Infinite Jest took me like three months so I, i'm gonna get some credit for that here right now absolutely everyone david foster wallace that guy Good he knew you. how to write a book uh yeah that's probably a better book than war and peace it's it, well this is the hipster <laughs> war and peace right this is like <laughs> infinite jest is the hipster war and peace uh, so i this is what i've this is what i read uh they should put that on the uh on the next soft cover edition of it <laughs> on the 30th on the anniversary cover, the 30th yeah. anniversary yeah. the hipster war and peace uh so uh, well you know i am what i am um and best TV show I watched this year was probably, I guess, probably the new. I'm going to go with the new Westworld, the Westworld series, wow. which was really, really yeah. pretty, pretty great. Jonathan Good. Nolan, those yeah. Nolan boys, they can, they can do no John, wrong. In Jonathan my eyes. Nolan, my uh, fellow Georgetown Hoya, a few years younger than me, and we're both equally successful now. Yeah, look at him. You've got a podcast. He has have, like a, a million, a billion dollars. Same. So, same. You know. Same. We had a, both of a series uh, equal experience on the hilltop. Uh, <laughs> best show. Um, I like the Americans this season. Um, I'd like to see how it progresses as we get closer and closer towards the end of the Soviet Union. How is the show going to handle Glasnost and Perestroika? We're talking about the uh, secret Soviet spy couple living in, our, uh, in Falls Church, Virginia. Um, and I hope they don't get rid of the, uh, the, the good guys who really are the FBI guys, uh, Agent Beeman and uh, Agent Adderholt. I like those guys, and that's who I'm rooting for. Um, in the Americans, uh, best movie. Uh, I'm, you know what? I was going to say Rogue One. 
I'm still letting it sink in, the impact of it, because it's really quite a movie. Um, aside from that, I really enjoyed the Coen Brothers movie, Hail Caesar. Oh, that's great, yeah. Uh, I thought they had, and a lot of people did not like it. It gets like few stars well, on IMDb. Of, a lot of people are stupid. You know, the thing by is, a lot of people, do you mean your mother-in-law? No, no, no. <laughs> she hasn't seen it, and she, but she saw the musical segment with Channing Tatum. Thought it was great. Um, I think uh, they had such a great take on the Hollywood blacklist. Yeah, it's great. And it's an actual communist conspiracy. No, no, that's exactly right. And the actor, there's an actor, David Krumholtz, who used to be a teen actor, and now he's grown up. He plays an angry communist writer so well. It is such a short, a short scene, but he does it so well. Uh, best book, um, I, I enjoyed Paul Friedman's 10 Restaurants That Changed America. Uh, it sort of a chronicles America's uh, evolving uh, eating habits and tastes from the 1800s until the present and how things like the immigrant um, impact on our uh, menu and uh, how the French refined us. But the really interesting thing about that book is the one thing that stays the same, like lots of food we don't eat anymore, like terrapin soup, you know, we don't eat turtles as much anymore. The one thing from the, uh, on menus from the 1800s to the day that keeps on popping up, mac and cheese. Just because like it's amazing. Yeah, it's yeah, delicious. Yeah, there we go. Uh, Corrections. Classics never go out of style. A lot of corrections. All right. A lot um, of corrections. Did you get, uh, Jonathan, did you get Adam, our friend Adam White's uh, clarification uh, about uh, the reality TV su- uh, series taking place on a cruise ship? No. Yes. Yes. He talks about it. I don't have it with me in front of me. I thought you had it under email. Good job. Email. Yeah. Good job. Um, there was this is a, how you host a show. This is how you, uh, there is a show that uh, took place on a cruise ship. It was a dating uh, show and it always uh, ended badly, of course. Listeners wrote in to tell me that I had Gilmore Girls all wrong. Lorelai Gilmore was 16 when she had Rory, not 17. Rory did get into Harvard and Yale. It was Paris, her friend, who didn't get into Harvard. And then it was Paris, her friend, who went on the I had sex and I didn't get into Harvard public meltdown. Uh, so there, I got that wrong. It doesn't change anything. Rory Gilmore is still an awful person and the enemy of the enemy, the, the, the actual bad guy of that show. Uh, then I, we had a long email from, uh, our buddy Gabe Rossman, uh, saying that Sonny is absolutely correct and that I am incorrect. The G.I. Joe is not bad and definitely not so bad. It's good, just that it's really good at being bad. And uh, Gabe then goes off to do a larger digression of that. I'm actually going to put Gabe's entire email into our show notes. It's very smart. Gabe is a professor of sociology at UCLA and has forgotten more about pop culture than most of us will ever know. Sonny, you... you uh, yeah, I'm looking, yeah. I'm, I'm looking at my phone right now, and I find nothing. No corrections. Right. You didn't get that email from Adam White? It's a, Mr. Perfect. I, can't remember I, refuse, I refuse to read anything from Adam right, White. Right. He, his opinions on Oasis are, uh, are... No, I'm just kidding. I love you, Adam. You're great. In reference, uh, by the way, Sonny, in reference to your complaining about our going on about Star Wars toys, mm, yeah. uh, the 20-plus minutes. Oh, how many people are saying it was great? Uh, according to longtime substandard listener and media consultant Alex Finland, oh. he says, quote, if Sonny's parents didn't get him Return of the Jedi toys when he was three and four years old. I was one. I was one when that movie that's came on out. Them. They had those things on the shelf until at least 1986. Ugh. That's what Alex says. God. And now we're moving on to Spirit of the Week. 
This is a good one. Did you like it, Sonny? Yeah, it's pretty good. It is called. This is from our friend Michael Goldfarb. This is called Metz's Select, uh, the 2015 Medley Indiana Straight Bourbon Whiskey. It's from the uh, powerhouse distillery MGP, which makes a lot of other bourbons that say they're from there, but in fact they get them from MGP uh, in Indiana. And I like the fact that they're unafraid to say that it's Indiana whiskey as opposed to Kentucky. There's nothing wrong with Indiana. Uh, so thank you, Goldfarb, for that. Yeah, you know, I really liked it. How was your? Uh, what did you have this week? Zima? Was it Zima was it, or was wait, it? Did you did you have some some uh, Schuffer Hoffer? Hard no, lemonade. This, Mike's this hard is, lemonade. No, this is Schuffer Hoffer, a German concoction, <laughs> which Shanelings little which little is kings. half grapefruit juice, half half of Weizen, and all delicious. This is real man's podcast here. We're talking about uh, Hufen yeah. Schiffen and uh, it's Star Wars. It's huge in Germany. Star Wars, Rogue One. All right. Well, we, we've only hit an hour mark. So An hour? <laughs> I will say that is all the time we have on this week's episode of The Substandard. Questions, comments, complaints, compliments, tweet us at Victorina Mattis at Sunny Bunch, not at JV Last. No. Who recently Do got it. hacked, but I hope your Do account it. is back in your control. Who can say? <laughs> Who can say? You haven't, you haven't visited it. Uh, again, be sure to subscribe to us on iTunes. Just type in Substandard on a podcast. We're there. Leave a review. Tell your friends. And again, we're off next week. It's Christmas. It's Hanukkah. All at the same time, it's an interfaith weekend. Happy holidays. Uh, yes. So Merry Christmas from the Substandard, and we'll see you next year. Okay. All right. Yeah. Have you ever noticed how our intro-outro music sounds like third-tier regional wrestling intro music. <laughs> so if you were down in Georgia... What, cha- what channel would it be on? So yeah. if you were down in Georgia watching a UHF channel in 1989 <laughs> and there was some mid-card tag team coming in for the first time, ladies and gentlemen, hailing from Stone Mountain, Georgia, the Midnight Express Rockers! This is what their music would sound like. Yeah. I'm fine with that. That's about where we are in the pecking order of the world. Frankly. Yeah, you know, so, I hadn't really thought know, of it that way. Fair uh, enough. I mean, let's let's not oversell ourselves. Yeah. That's good. Um, my mother uh, recently, she called, I spoke to her today by accident. <laughs> I dialed the wrong number. But she went on to tell me that she experienced a Christmas miracle or a Christmas experience, like the spirit of Christmas, true meaning of Christmas. She was at Walmart buying groceries and stuff. And the woman in your front Your mother of her, or your mother-in-law? My mother. My mother in New Thompson, <laughs> your mother, Jersey. Your mother-in-law would never be caught dead in a Walmart. No, no, she doesn't. They don't go there. She doesn't go there. And and she's waiting. It is Jersey, too. So uh, she is waiting in line. The woman in front is buying a... Uh, just generic paper towels, whatever, and then leaves. And then my mother goes to, they ring her up, and the lady, so the cashier lady says, the woman in front of you had a gift card, and there's $40 left over, and she said to just to give it to you. Oh, that's nice. And my mother, she's like, tears welled up. She goes, you know, it's like a Christmas miracle. I said, yeah, it's a miracle the woman didn't see your Louis Vuitton bag. <laughs> yeah. I mean, in the realm of people who need it's the $40. So nice that the wife of the doctor <laughs> yeah. is being given $40 at yeah. Walmart. It's a miracle they didn't see a Rolex did she, watch. Did she, did she run out and get like a gift card yeah, yeah. so she could oh, be like, oh, tr- $43, tr- I better <laughs> save this. I tried to find her. She was gone. But you know what? She's uh, you're not gonna be she's gonna be nicer to people. You're gonna pay. Right? Is she, but she your she didn't, mom she couldn't pay it Your mother couldn't be nicer to people. Oh, your mother doesn't. Kind. They don't you're make people kind. nicer. No, than your no. Mother. Especially to their face. To their face. Okay. Uh, I'll be good. Uh, I think that's, there, no, there was something, yeah, else. something else. Wasn't there something uh, else we were going to talk about oh, this God, week? I thought it more. So serious question. Solidifies the case for the empire. How many? How many times do you suspect you will have seen this in the theater when all is said and done? I might go see it one more time. Yeah. I'll, I was going to let Michael see it with Kate because 
uh, she wanted to see it as well. So um, I'd love to see it again. I, I just don't know when uh, uh, that opportunity will come up. I'd love to see it again. Yeah. 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 All right. Well, I'm I mean, gonna I, set my over under at five. I'm I, like I said, I might see it one more time. I I don't really see a ton of movies in the theater uh, more than once, just for time reasons, because I see movies all the time. Please tell me how little time you it's have. It's great. It's great. <laughs> I see I see a movie every week, and it's fantastic. Uh, but the the you know I did see Hail I saw Hail Caesar in the theater twice this year. Wow. Uh, which was which was kind of surprising, uh, and I loved it. Both times I good. It. I loved it, and I saw and then I watched it again at home on uh, I rented it from Amazon to watch Still with Beth, good. and it was fantastic. Yeah. Also, uh, really, uh, finally, very quickly, uh, a special thank you to uh, substandard listener David Shaywitz for naming us as one of his favorite podcasts of 2016. Yeah. That was a awesome. surprise. We're going to use those blurbs all over the posters yeah. and in our ads for stars. Our well, those ads we have for the side of the bus are yes. really cool. Have you seen those? They're really <laughs> for neat. the substandard. Oh, so exciting! Yeah. I can't wait yeah. to see it. Do they have? Do they have? A, do they have characters of us? Am I going to wrap the drawing? bus in the yeah. ads? It's going to be awesome. Do they have a sculpture of my face on the front of the bus, like the like the the Green Goblin? No, there's from only Maximum <laughs> Overdrive. I'm afraid <laughs> there's only room for one head. And it's well, there. that's I, well, you <laughs> can't. This is ridiculous. You and I get blotted out. You put his. If you put his face on the front of a bus, the bus is going to tip over front ways. No, I'm only I'm only on the double decker buses. You'll see me on the back of the double decker. No, well, the double wides, really, (laughs) not really the double. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, we're done. Are we? (laughs) Are we? Was that was that pretty good? good? (laughs) I'm sure it's fine.